Welcome back to Other People's Lives. I'm your host, Joe Sanagato. I'm your host, Greg Dybeck. And uh, just to remind you, we do have a Patreon set up, patreon.com slash OPL show. Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. So if you'd like to support the show, then head on over to there. And there's some cool things that you can get with that. Um, so anyway, Greg, what do we have today? So I want to open today's episode with uh, a few words that I wrote on the way over here. Actually. Ooh. It's a poem. Is it, I was going to say, is it a rap or like... <laughs> No, but I, I'm excited for this episode because mm-hmm. I think more than anything, I think we're lucky to be living in a time where there's more conversation around mental health, mental illness. Uh, there's more conversations happening to bring awareness, recognition, I think to kind of destigmatize uh, mental illness and help people, you know, understand the people who do live with these disorders more and kind of see them for people other than just their illness. And I think, you know, for us personally, I'll speak for you, but correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. When we first started the show, there were a lot of opportunities to talk to people with certain disorders. But I think when we started the show, it wasn't a territory that we were totally comfortable with exploring. Yeah. We wanted to be good at asking certain questions before we tackled something like mental health because you have to be (coughs) sorry you have to be careful with you know the way that you come across like even with the uh the little person i was even unaware that like midget was a bad thing to say right (laughs) and and it wasn't until we talked to to them that we you know i got that enlightenment like i just don't want to have that you know say the wrong thing totally and yeah and i think that's you know, we're never going to pretend like we're super well-versed in any of these things that we're speaking about. We're learning along with you guys, and we don't always know the language around these things, but, you know, we're, we're here to learn. And, uh, you know, I think now that we've been able to do the show a little bit, and uh, we've seen an abundance of these similar emails kind of hit the inbox uh, with so many people reaching out kind of for the same thing, or people who don't even have certain disorders that you know, say you should speak to someone, this, you know, this would be a great episode. I want to learn more about it. Right. And last season, you know, we did have a few eye-opening episodes like Living with OCD, The Suicide Survivor uh, was a very, yeah, was very crazy. intense one. And uh, I think we kind of realized that our platform can be one of the many places that hosts, you know, this type of informative conversation uh, just to help destigmatize these disorders and mental, men- mental illness a little further. And I think just give a voice to individuals who live, you know, with certain disorders. I think that's that's my favorite thing about the show is realizing how much you can learn just from one person's personal experience, yeah. not someone that's trying to speak for an entire community. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think with that said, you know, this isn't turning into a mental health focused show, obviously, but when the opportunity presents itself, we do want to make sure that you know, we have these questions. I mean, we have these episodes where, you know, we answer some of these questions, talk to people who are, who are living with these, uh, you know, certain disorders. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's crazy because you would be surprised how many people have known nothing about all of these disorders. Like even something as simple as anxiety disorder, which is something that I in the past have dealt with in like, you know, I've had panic attacks. I've been like, you know, for a week, can't go outside, like shit like that has happened to me before. And, you know, I have some of my friends that can't even wrap their mind around that. Mm. Like, what are you nervous about? I'm like, I'm not nervous about anything. It's just like, it's, I'm not 
it's not because I'm nervous. It's just, it's something that's happening. And I think I'm like dying. Yeah. <laughs> like, my heart's pounding and my chest hurts. Like those are real symptoms that I'm feeling. And I, I don't know why, but it just, and it drives me crazy. And then you start to question your, it's like this whole rabbit hole you throw yourself down. Mm -hmm. And when you don't experience that, or you don't hear it from anyone, you just assume like, oh, people have anxiety when they're nervous. You know, it just little things like that. So I can only imagine with something like, you know, bipolar disorder or uh, split personality uh, disorder, or I'm, you know, I'm probably, those are probably not the best names for these things, but whatever. But, um, you know, there's so many probably things that are misunderstood or people don't know about them. So I definitely think that we want to just open the door to these mental disorders and kind of give some clarity there as well, because people who listen to this show for the most part are open-minded and they'd be open to learning about them so that you don't, you know, like you're me, you don't say the word midget anymore. You, don't, you know what I mean? You do, so you don't say certain things or you don't think certain things and you, you learn a little bit, hopefully. Totally. And I think so many, you know, of these disorders and, and things like that are common. I mean, just looking, uh, doing some research on bipolar disorder, more than 3 million, there's more than 3 million cases per year, you know? So this isn't something that isn't common. This, you know, this, this is common. A lot of people, uh, that you've probably encountered out there, you know, do have this. And uh, yeah, let's, I guess let's jump into today's episode is obviously uh, someone who lives with bipolar disorder. I think for us, you know, we always want to, again, there's not much we can contribute to these conversations. Right. We can just try to guide them, you know, in the most interesting way. But we're just, we always want to find people who, you know, take a positive approach, who have, you know, been able to, find balance and kind of live with these disorders and uh you know that are willing to kind of destigmatize them and talk about their personal experiences but bipolar disorder is a disorder that's associated with i guess mood swings from what i understand that range from manic highs to depressive lows um it's something that can be treated but can't be cured uh can last a lifetime i'm going to be completely honest here the only experience I have with even talking about bipolar disorder is probably from when I was like in high school and like your friend would break up with a girl and you'd be like, why'd you break up with her? And you'd be like, she's crazy. She had bipolar disorder. She, you know, crazy mood swings. One I was going to say, this is also one of those things where, you know, we said it in the beginning of the OCD episode where it's one of those things where people just throw around like mm -hmm. the word, like it's, if you're happy one second and all of a sudden someone spills a cup and like dude what the fuck it's like oh dude relax man bipolar like exactly. you were just happy a second ago like it's one of those things that people just throw around this word all the time uh but i haven't had really much experience with it either um i don't think i know anyone who's been diagnosed as bipolar uh but you know this is something that even for me i don't i don't know too much about it and i'd like to like i think i think i know the gist which i don't think is enough i'd like to know more that's why i do have you know, certain questions that I'd, I'd like to ask, uh, this person. Um, but yeah, I think this could be a learning experience for not only people listening, but me as well, because I, I don't really have a whole lot of experience with it either. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, we're, we're along for the ride with everyone else. Let's All give right. her a call. All right. Hey guys. Hey, how are you? I'm good. Can you all hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Perfect. Awesome. How's it going? Good. Um, so we just, you know, kind of talked about, uh, you know, mental illnesses and, you know, a little bit about, you know, the misconceptions of, 
bipolar disorder. Can you just, for everyone listening and for me personally, just kind of give your definition of what exactly that it what what it is? What bipolar is? Yeah, right. um, it's a it's a mental illness that um, where my mood and my energy, my body, my ability to think, it, it just shifts dramatically. Um, I think the the fact that it's dramatic is what's most important about distinguishing it from other mental illnesses. Okay, so when you say that it's uh, like dramatic, like for example, is there like very high highs and very low lows? Is it just always like, and like how do you differentiate that? Because we were also talking about how people throw around the word bipolar all the time. It's like if someone's mood changes like even a little bit, they're like, oh my god, you're so bipolar. So what? Right. what what can you kind of, you know, what examples can you kind of give to, disti- like, for people to distinguish, like, okay, this is a clear difference between that and this? Sure. Um, I'll talk about mania because I think that people tend to have at least a little bit better understanding of depression. Um, but one thing that mania um, shows is that people can be acting dramatically um, in, in ways that are really destructive. So um, most most people who've had manic episodes have had um, you know have broken up their family or spent tens of thousands of dollars who have had problems with the law have injured people or themselves. Um, not the sort of I'm have a lot of high energy, but high energy that ends up being pretty destructive. Oh, okay, I see what you're saying. So even so, the high energy could be also used as destructive. It's not necessarily going from happy to sad. It's just having a, like, excess amount of energy that could be put into something destructive. Right, right. And even if you're enjoying it at the time, even if it's fun and happy at the time, um, like spending $8,000 on something that you really enjoy later when you come down from that mania. Is, is that a personal uh, <laughs> personal story, it sounds oh, like? no, no. No, I think I'm actually mentioning it because it's not a personal thing and oh, okay, I'm trying okay. to be broader. No, um, no. Uh, but but I've definitely destroyed a lot of relationships and in trouble with the law. Um, not because I was just simply miserable all the time, but because sometimes you do things when you're really, really, really happy and a little bit delusional that you later look back on and think, wow, that was actually really scary. Hmm. So how do those shifts occur? I mean, I'm assuming maybe it's different for everyone, but I guess kind of walk us through the moment where you kind of come down from that mania and it shifts. And is that just a dramatic shift? There's almost kind of no in between. It's, it just goes straight into a more depressive period. When I wasn't medicated, yeah, it was, it was actually just a crash where I would just want to go under the covers and not leave my house and couldn't, couldn't face leaving my house, couldn't face other people, even though, you know, hours before I had been feeling amazing. After I got medicated now, because I don't have such extreme manias, I also don't have such extreme crashes. So it can be like a couple of days where I start to, lose energy, start to feel really heavy, start to feel really down, and I, I can sort of watch that take place. It's not as rapid as before I was medicated. Okay, so you're kind of able to see it coming on where before medication it was 
you were just kind of totally out of control or I, right. I like had no control over that shift. Uh, in, in your yeah. email, you wrote, I have bipolar and in parentheses, you wrote the scary one. What does that mean exactly? <laughs> um, bipolar one is the one that has the extreme mania, um, which is when, when you hear about somebody who's bipolar uh, committing a dramatic crime or you hear about someone who's bipolar um, typically committing suicide when they're manic, um, that's who we're talking about is bipolar one. Um, hypomania, which people with bipolar two have, it's a high, but it's mild enough so that you're not ruining your life. You're not, you're not acting violently. Um, you're, you're just acting hyper really. So I'm the scary one <laughs> because it's the one that when people watch a TV show and, uh, and someone is putting other people in danger with their illness, I, that's the one, that's the one I have. Hmm. So is there, do you, do you find, did you ever find that there was something that would help you kind of suppress it? other than the drugs or is it just like the medication is the only thing that could really like help you keep it under control? Well, it takes, my experience has been that it takes a lot of things at once, but until I was medicated, I, it was really hard for me to do anything else to control it. Once I was medicated, I could be really careful about, um, I exercise a lot because that's really helpful. I take supplements. I am really attentive to my diet and my sleep schedule. Things that when I was so out of control, I couldn't control. So I think it has to go with medication, but there are a lot of other things that I do along with medication. So I can't, I imagine there's a ton of cases or just people out there who, you know, may be living with this, but it just never gets diagnosed or they never, you know, take that step to kind of, understand what they're feeling more. So what, what was it for you that made you realize, you know, this, this might not be totally normal. Um, you know, how these, these kind of changes in my behavior and feelings are, I guess, what, what sparked you to, you know, find help or, or learn more about what you were feeling? Well, like a lot of people with this disorder, people had to tell me that it was a problem. So I had my first full blown mania, in the spring after I had left my parents' house. And so um, once they came and visited me, they saw my behavior and were, were certain that I needed to be hospitalized. Um, I was able to avoid it on that occasion, but similarly, the next time that, um, that I was around my parents, they consulted with the people who were living with me and everyone agreed, actually, yeah, this is a problem. And so it was really in response to them that I thought about whether or not I might be bipolar. I went to a therapist. She thought I was bipolar. Um, reading about it, I've always been reluctant to assume that as an identity. I, keep, I kept thinking for probably 10 years, every single time that I would see a doctor, well, hey, Maybe this one will tell me I don't actually have bipolar disorder, but that, I, I think I've accepted I have it now. But I think my, my family, my boyfriend at the time, they were pretty certain that what was going on was not right, was not safe. And a series of things like being arrested a number of times, like, um, like being violent against other people, 
those things piled up. I could see once I got really depressed, wow, I've done a lot of horrible things that can't be normal. And so it was finally then that I was able to, um, to see it that way and get treatment. Why do you think that you just, you know, you had to get it from multiple therapists to feel like, okay, now I'll, I'll finally admit that I have it. Why do you think you didn't want to, did you just not want to like attach some word to your behavior? Like why? I feel like the way that you just explained it, you were saying how you didn't necessarily believe them. Like you wanted the next one to be like, no, you're good. You don't have it. Like, why do you think that is? Well, I think it seems to me that depression and anxiety are things that are pretty justifiable. You can usually find something in the world where you can explain the depression. You can explain the anxiety. Um, with bipolar disorder, it doesn't seem to have a particular reason beyond the disorder itself. So you're up not because something amazing happened in the world, you know. You're, you're down not because the candidate that you decide got elected. The, your, your brain is doing all that on its own. So I think I just wanted something that seemed to have external causes. So it didn't seem like I was the problem. Interesting. Um, also, what do you think are like, because I, I don't know too much about bipolar disorder because I don't know anyone who ha who has had it. So I don't have any experience with it. And, you know, I try not to make, you know, pretend, I try not to pretend like I know what it is. So can you just, like, what do you think are some common misconceptions that people believe about it that aren't necessarily true? I think one thing is that um, people who are manic are always happy. Um, and that mania is always something that is visible to other people. I think also there's an assumption that our depressions are worse than those that people with depression have. And that's not the case. People can, their, their depression can be just as, as deep and significant. I also think there's this, this uh, misconception that people who are bipolar um, will really resist taking care of ourselves. And you can see somebody like Kanye in the media right now who's like, yeah, I'm not going to take any, <laughs> I'm not going to take anything. And then he acts out in ways that seem uh, that seem to comport with someone having bipolar disorder, doing strange things like, you know, overnight releasing his video at the Pornhub Awards, you know, and people are saying, what's going on? What's going on with this guy? Well, I totally forgot about that with Kanye. Yeah. yeah. Wait, did, so did he yeah. come out and say that he was bipolar yeah. or? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Did you, were you able to see, like, because, I mean, Kanye West, like, it's hard to ignore him. Are you, did you see him before he came out uh, and told everyone, like, yes, I am bipolar? Did you kind of say, like, uh, his behavior is a little, you know, manic and he might be bipolar? Like, is that something that you could, like, spot from a mile away? Because there were some people who were saying that, yeah. but I was just like, I don't know if you know, you know, right, the ins right. and outs of it, but... I feel like, you know, people say that they have gaydar. I feel like I have um, bipolar radar. <laughs> and, and I will always say that to, to the people who know me and um, know about my illness, I will just say, that guy's one of us or she's one of us. 
um, when I notice the celebrity or even sometimes people that, you know, I become acquaintances with and it, it just seems like it's got to be. And I'm quite often right. And Kanye is an example of that. I've been a huge fan of his forever. And when I went to see him on his Jesus tour, I came home and I was like, there's no way that guy's not one of us. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I told, This is crazy. I totally forgot. His album said, on it written i hate being bipolar it's awesome yeah he also right. said there's the quote of him it's a super uh, yeah it's not a disability it's a superpower so yeah. does something right. like that help or hurt kind of the stigma of you know this, this disorder i think at this point it's harmful I'd like to believe there's that, that we will get to a point where there's so little stigma that we can be like oh it's a superpower right now i feel like the only way um, to start diminishing stigma is to treat it as an illness. Um, what, one of the things that's hardest about getting compassion for bipolar as opposed to other mental illnesses is that part of the disorder is to be really grandiose and say you're the smartest, you're the greatest person, you're, you're the most gorgeous, you're talking to God, you brag about everything you can, maybe sounds a little bit like Kanye. And... <laughs> It's, it's harder to sympathize with that person than the person who's just saying, you know, that, that they're miserable and, and they're sad or that they're, they're anxious and it's tough for them to do things. When you're listening to someone go on and on and on about how great they are because they have bipolar, I think it really takes away from the experience that most of us are actually having day to day. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. So looking at someone like him, I mean, obviously we can really only catch glimpses of you know what he puts out there or what we see in the media but does does he strike you as someone that is still i guess just kind of still needs help you know finding that balance or or i guess living with this disorder you know he he, it's it's up to him and kim and what what he decides to do but um but when i when I see him in the media and I see him get all bent out of shape because someone, you know, was, was criticizing his sandals, I think you could probably have a better life. I don't know what would happen to the music he made, but I also don't assume that he wouldn't make good music anymore. I think it would be nice to see what kind of musician he was if he did get more help and he did actually stick to a medication regimen and all that. So I would like to see it, but again, it's, it's up to him. That's an interesting question to ask this, the same way they kind of say like, you know, drugs have fueled, you know, the greatest like rock and roll songs and acts in the past. Mm -hmm. Is this disorder contributing to like a level of quality with his music or like what we're calling, you know, this is a genius song. These are genius lyrics, the beats that he makes, anything like that. I mean, I, I, per, you, you hear things about, you know, some people who have uh, Down syndrome are amazing at something or they have Asperger's and they're amazing at, you know, piano or like, you know what I mean? Like there, there are certain mm-hmm. things that, that are attached to certain uh, disorders that make someone exceptional in one area. So I wouldn't be surprised if there are something like that, if there is something, you know, of that sort. But I mean, it's like with well, anything. It has, been, it has been linked to creativity, but it also, it, it, there's also the fact that when you're manic, 
you lose inhibitions, which if you're creative can sometimes be really helpful. You have to edit it later, but mm. sometimes you are just getting everything out and getting everything out can give you a lot to start with because you're not holding back. And simultaneously when you're manic, you don't have to sleep much and you can mm. work on a project pretty obsessively for days at a time. So you can understand then why somebody um, would be a really productive novelist because they can just sit down and do that. Greg, having written a book, you can imagine that it would be, it would have been a lot faster probably. <laughs> um, but you know, it, it wouldn't necessarily be better, but it would definitely be faster and the process would be less inhibited. And with someone like Kanye, um, some of his music is like working at that level of extremity. That's part of what I think we get off on about it. And so we would miss some of that. I'm quite sure. But it doesn't mean that his work wouldn't be as good. So I, I know it probably varies case to case, but uh, I'm also just interested in, you know, what going through a manic episode is kind of like. Because, I mean, you just mentioned that you are you could be up all night working on something and not need to sleep. Like, I didn't even know that. So can you just kind of explain, at, at least maybe in the most general sense or in your experience, kind of what going through a manic episode is like? Sure. Well, just to start with the sleeping, it's similar with eating. You just don't, it's, it's not that you just can't sleep. It's that you don't need it. You don't want to, you don't feel tired. Um, and so you can just keep kind of going like that. And the more you go, the better it feels. So you're not running yourself down really. Um, and that can be pretty exciting because the ideas keep coming and coming and coming and you can follow them, whether those are ideas about things that you want to do or things that you want to make you can just keep following them. But the thing that I never really hear people talk much about is the physical side. Um, and I was noticing in watching a television show over the weekend, um, Insecure, she was taking ecstasy and this guy was touching her shoulder and the way she responded to it, I thought, that seems like what it feels like to be manic. Just this feeling of like the, the slightest touch is enormous. It radiates your whole body. So even a breeze, for example, can like can feel like a wave of a, of a drug. Um, smelling, uh, smelling really, really beautiful smells like like flowers, especially, um, can can bring that up. And that's why most people um, become manic in the spring rather than the fall. Um, that's at least one of the reasons. Um, it's just your whole body kind of lights up with it. So your, your, your brain is, can be doing a lot of different things, but your body is, is in euphoria. And another question I had is, is, is this something that you kind of deal with every single day or is it, you know, a couple times a week or you know, it's constantly like, how often do you think this kind of affects your life and becomes something that you need to manage? I think by managing it every day, it's not a huge part of every day. If I don't manage it by being really diligent about medication and therapy and diet and exercise and all those things I mentioned to you before, then it can become something that I have to quote unquote deal with. I have to make sure that I get back into a good place. I have to take medication to bring myself down or to bring myself up. But if I'm just really consistent with taking care of myself, which I really very much am, it 
is just, you know, it's just a minor part of my, of my life, just something that I keep going with. And a lot of the things that I do, um, you know, as far as exercise and, and diet are things that to some people, um, seem extreme, but don't feel that way to me now because I've been doing it this way since I was 19 and diagnosed that's how I've been living my life. So, and I'm 36. So it's very, it's just very normal for me to be managing it, so to speak. I don't have those kind of high highs and low lows um, that I had before I was medicated. Nothing approaching that anymore. Wow. I, that That's great. And I think another misconception is that when people are diagnosed with something like bipolar disorder, like that's it. Their life is forever changed. There's no semblance of, you know, normality or they can't get a job or anything like that. But I do want to point out in your email, you said that you're a tenured college professor and currently engaged to be married. Congrats. Mm -hmm. Thank you. But yeah, no, I think, I think that's awesome. And that just, uh, kind of, takes away that, uh, you know, that idea that someone who does have this, you know, can never get it under control or can't, you know, have a job or, or start a family. Are, are those things that at one point at, you know, one of the lows you thought maybe you would never have? Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I'm still amazed when I think about the fact that I've managed to make this relationship work. In the past, my relationship history was um, as a result of my illness. I was I was abusive and mean and you know delusional and uh, and sometimes so depressed that I was a real burden. And I didn't think after my last relationship I would ever be able to have another relationship. I, I really just thought I was not I was not able to. And the fact that I've now been in in this relationship for six years and we're engaged and he's just awesome um i mean you put a ring on it it. you put a ring on it i know it's 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 amazing and he's he's very aware of of my mental illness and i've actually told him more about it recently um partly occasioned by my knowing i was going to do this interview i thought i really need to be talking about this more so (laughs) um so we we talked a lot about it he's very aware of it on a day-to-day level but i told him a lot of a lot of other details from the past and that's just something I, I never thought I'd be able to do in a relationship. I also, um, was all, I was always very, very ambitious. Um, I'm actually less ambitious now probably than I've ever been because I did get tenure, but for all, for a long time, I was 100% about work and I never thought being bipolar was going to hold me back from that. Um, I just thought, yeah, there are going to be moments where I'm going to have to, you know, catch up a little bit, but I always was pretty confident in my abilities as, you know, an intellectual, so to speak. I, I always felt good about that, about myself. And I think that was probably pretty helpful in keeping me going um, when I didn't feel so good about myself in other ways. Yeah. No, I mean, that that's all amazing to hear. And again, I mean, congratulations. And, uh, one, um, I feel like another sort of like subset of people listening to this, maybe it is someone who has been diagnosed and is entering a relationship or wants to form a new relationship with someone. How did you go about, you know, being open and honest about that, you know, with, uh, with the person that you're with now? 
I love this question because it's, it's almost impossible um, to do it right, so to speak. But I do think if you're with the right person, then ultimately you'll do it imperfectly and you'll be with each other anyway. In my case, I probably waited too long to tell him in retrospect. I wish I'd told him in the first couple of months that we were dating. And if you bipolar folks are out there listening, I recommend that you do. Um, I waited until about nine months um, before I told him about it. And I, I definitely feel that, um, that there's a level of intimacy that we could have gotten to more quickly. And I would have been less, I would have felt less like I was hiding all the time. Um, because I do so many different things to try to keep myself on track. Um, I, it, it, that, that is a big part of my life, even when it doesn't seem like it's a big part of my life. So I, I wish I told him and he has, he was just really, really cool about it and really understanding. But the other amazing thing that happened was that in getting to know me, he started to realize that, um, some of his behavior um, represented a, a kind of depression and he ended up seeking treatment himself. And I think it, he was, he was the kind of depressed where, you know, he couldn't leave his apartment for days, but he had not seen it as a mental illness until we got to a point of discussing that. So um, you never know guys, you might be helping somebody else if you <laughs> tell your date. That, yeah, that, that's very interesting. And I feel like, I mean, for me personally, and by no means am I like trying to get diagnosed with like bipolar disorder right now because I've never felt any, I've never kind of gone into like any self-destructive mode or anything like that. But I think one thing that I sort of relate to in terms of feeling that kind of swing of moods is like, I, I just always feel like I need to be constantly like aroused by something or like have a project. I don't know if you can relate to this Joe um but just kind of you know always having my focus on something always doing something my weeks are usually crazy they're long um long hours and then when I do hit a lull sometimes like on the weekend for example if it's like wow I actually have hit a point where like maybe I don't have to be doing anything it's so hard for me to just kind of like let go and relax and I find myself getting almost like angry or like my mood shifting into, I wouldn't say depression. I, I've never really felt that, but it's just kind of like, I don't know what to do with myself right now. And I feel it actually affecting my mood like for the rest of the day. Yeah. Like if you can't be active, huh? If you can't like be active and like do something. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just mm -hmm. hard to like sit back and then, but I guess like what I'm getting at is I, I have felt it get to a point of like, I almost just won't want to hang out with anyone or, I don't know. I guess angry is like it. Not like angry. I'm not like breaking things in my apartment. Yeah, I mean, but I, it's I understand like I don't know what to do with my energy. Yeah, and, and my mood definitely shifts. I understand what you're saying because mm -hmm. I'm the same way in in that when I feel like I like when I get sick or something and I just have to sit around all day, I have to pull myself out of that so bad because mm. I get just so like I don't want to do anything. I don't want to see anyone. I don't want to do anything. Like I just sit there and it's just like I can't get anything done. Like I, I in my head, I'm like I want to do things. But I, but I don't like, it's just a weird thing. And I have to like force myself to get out there. And you know, it's, it's crazy because exercise is something that I talk about all the time for me personally, what the, on the days that I don't exercise and the days that I do exercise, they are light years different from mm -hmm. each other because yeah. having that kickstart, especially in the morning 
it really fuels me for the rest of the day. And if I don't have it, like if I go like a straight month without working out, I, like I am a shell of myself. Oh, I can't even imagine. Yeah, it's it's yeah. Ter- it's yeah. terrible. So I guess we all can kind of relate to that on some certain level. Um, but sure. I guess for people who are actually diagnosed with bipolar disorder, it's on a, a different level, and the, and the swings are much more drastic, which would make it destructive in a way when when you get down there. Right. I, I imagine. Right. Okay. Um, so I mean, I, I also want to just say before we, we wrap up, um, this I'm sure this is going to be very inspiring to somebody who, you know, probably has pi- bipolar disorder and is listening to this and you know, maybe they're in the stage where they think that they're not going to have a relationship or a normal life or anything. And you're just living, breathing proof of you can be successful. You can, you know, find love and you can do all these things. And, you know, it's, it's great that, you know, I'm happy that you, you took the time to come on the show and and do this because, you know, someone just hearing that it gives them hope. So, uh, yeah, I just, I just want to say thank you for coming on. And also, uh, is there any advice that you can offer to anyone who may be struggling or maybe they think they have it, maybe they, you know, whatever. Is there any advice that you can offer to anyone like that? Yes, I'd love to. First of all, if you aren't sure whether you're bipolar or not, go as soon as you can to a psychiatrist. They have ways of diagnosing that are imperfect and people criticize them a lot but they are better than nothing whatever you're dealing with right now could be better dealt with with a professional i can promise that but if you're someone who knows you have bipolar you've been living it with it for a while my advice to you is to allow yourself to feel good about the good things that you do and not spend all of your time beating yourself up about the harm that you've done because it's an endless cycle where you get depressed and because you're thinking about the horrible things that you've done when you were depressed or manic and you deserve to live your life. You deserve it. Even if you've, even if you've been <clears throat> destructive at some point, at this point, if you're doing your very best, you deserve to live your life. Well said. All right. Thank you so much for coming on. We appreciate it. Yeah. I really enjoyed this conversation. Yeah, no, that that was really great. And uh, I mean, I know for us definitely helped us kind of understand because we had really no idea going into this other than it was just a term that, you know, had been thrown around that we had thrown around in the past too. So thank you so much. Of course. Take care, guys. Bye. All right, before we get to our final thoughts, let's get to the sponsors here. Our first one is TiVo, which is great for anyone who's looking for all, for alternatives to getting ripped off by a cable company because TiVo offers amazing options for anyone looking for a better experience when it comes to live TV. Also a better experience for streaming apps and recording shows, whether you're cable users or not. TiVo has two amazing products called the TiVo Bolt Vox and the TiVo Bolt OTA. Both of these options have amazing features like the complete home TV experience, which is live TV, DVR, and streaming device in one that lets you access everything you love on any screen you'd like. So you can watch live TV plus your Netflix and Hulu and all that good stuff. And you can watch at home or on the go, wherever you want. And you can skip over entire commercial breaks with a tap of a button or voice command it's just, it's unreal. Okay. The the technology is getting crazy here. I can skip over entire commercial breaks and I don't even, I don't even have to press a button. They made it easy and said we could use a button. We could even use voice command to do that. That is amazing. Um, 
with this, you can watch shows 30% faster uh, with pitch-corrected sound, which is great. Okay, so if you're ready for a better way to watch, we have good news. Uh, TiVo has put together a deal for our listeners. 20% off any TiVo Bolt OTA, OTA or TiVo Bolt Vox. Just head to TiVo.com slash OPL20 and remember promo code OPL20. And uh, take a look, see, uh, take a look, and see which product is best for you. That's tivo.com/opl20 with the promo code OPL20. Guys, this is the future. Okay, this is this is going to be the future. This is a, a better way to watch TV. Skip over commercials, record your shows, whatever you want. Tivo's got your back. Okay. Our next sponsor is Mac Weldon, which will be the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, and sweatpants you will wear. This winter, not only this winter, but all year. I mean, Mack Weldon believes in smart design, premium fabrics, and simple shopping. I mean, I, for one, have tried their product, and it is amazing. I, you know, in particular, love the underwear because I find it to be very, like, breathable, I guess, is the right word I'm going to use. And it's nice and tight, like the, I'm a, I'm a boxer brief guy, okay? Uh, they also have this, like, line of silver underwear and shirts that are naturally uh antimicrobial wow fuck that up uh microbial oh god antimicrobial which just you know what let's just say what it is okay it it, it just means it eliminates odor okay which you know the boy is gonna need all right (laughs) uh they want you to be comfortable so if you don't like your first pair you can keep it and they will still refund you no questions asked and not only are these underwear and socks and shirts like not only do they look good, but they also perform well too. I mean, I have their shirt and underwear. I wear them on my runs uh, because I find them to be just, like I said, very breathable and it doesn't like cause any like friction with your skin or anything. So you can work out with them. You can go out, you know, with them. Like they're just good for any sort of activity. I actually just went for a run this morning and was wearing their socks, kept my feet very warm. So, I mean, this is a company that clearly cares about their product and right now, you can get 20% off your first order if you visit MacWeldon.com and enter the promo code OPL at checkout. Again, uh, for 20% off your first order, you can visit MacWeldon.com and enter the promo code OPL at checkout. 20% off, people. So go get your underwear, go get your socks and your shirts and your whatever you need, okay? Because winter's coming, so you're going to need to keep warm. Keep warm with Mac Weldon, all right? Anyway, so that was cool. It was. Have some clarity now of what it is. I know? never really understood the manic side of it. Right, because you, you know what's crazy? Like, I feel like I can get really close to that because I, I, for the most part, a lot of people who know me know that I'm very balanced with my emotions. Like, I don't try, I try not to make any decisions based off emotion. Like, when I'm very angry, like, I don't want to make a big decision right now because I need to just... Like, whatever. Because a lot of people, they just say things, like, when they're fighting, like, with their girlfriend or something, just, like, call her a bitch. Like, I would never do that. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, to me, I, I don't even have it in me to say that, right? So, stuff like that. And then they regret it later. Um, but I always feel like when I get really upset or if I get really happy. Well, actually, no. The happy thing, I I can't relate to at all. The highs, I, I should say. The, the high energy thing, I don't relate to at all. But the lows... I do feel myself sometimes like I know my hand is against this fence and I don't want to go over this fence because I know if I go over it, it feels like my hands on the wall, like the manic wall Mm. that like, I know that if I let myself, 
get super affected by, by this, then I'll slip into a, a depression or I will, uh, you know, it, it'll just, it's, it's not productive to be sulking or sad or like mm-hmm. whatever, you know what I mean? It's not going to change anything, especially when it's for no reason. You know, when I'm just sitting around, I'm not be, I'm not able to be productive or I'm just in this like funk or whatever. And I'm not whatever, like I'll do it tomorrow. It, it's not, it's not good. Like there's no reason for it. It's just, I'm just, I don't know why it's just something in your head. And I can relate to, you know, I think I get where, you know, the manic thing is. Cause I almost felt like sometimes I have my hand on the wall and I refuse to let myself like slip that far down. Like I'm like, all right, let's just tomorrow. Let's just start writing stuff out, plan the day out tomorrow and get all these things done. It's like, I'll go out of my way to make sure that doesn't happen because if I do slip past there, like it's not great. You know what I mean? And I've had times in my life where it, I've have gone on that side of the fence and it's been like, you know, you don't really eat. You don't really go out. You're not yourself. And I'm a very outgoing person. I need to be around people. And when I don't have that, I'm just not myself. I'm just like a shell of myself. Yeah. So I, I understand where it is, but I also have the ability to not go over. And the difference between that and what I'm dealing with is that I have the ability and they don't. They just slip past there. I mean, without medication, without taking care of your body and everything, uh, they can just slip there easier than most people i at least that's what i got from the conversation yeah no totally but i i can really really relate with what you're saying and and like i kind of said to her back there it's just the i definitely understand the high and the low and i always want to be in that high you know of like again not a manic high not a destructive high but i just love like i love completing projects i love accomplishments i love moving forward i love like putting in the work for something and then like it, it can exist, right. you know, and you can see what that effort, you know, has given you. And I think lately, you know, I keep calling this like almost like a behind the scenes year. It's, I mean, you know, everything with like wing and everything. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's like a grinding year. It's like a head down. It's like work every day, work long hours. Like we're building something. And sometimes I go through long periods where it's like, well, what's the, you know, what's the reward for this? What's the thing that we can share with the world? But it's just, you know, it's not always, you're not going to have something every week. You're not going to have an accomplishment every week. You're not going to have something to share and put out there and get feedback on every single week. And I kind of found myself slipping, like you said, you know, almost against that wall into just kind of a low, like what, you know, I just, I like, I don't feel good right now, even though I should feel good because everything is good and I'm healthy and working on great things. And like you said, I just kind of wrote things out, planned stuff for the week, didn't let myself get to that place but yeah it's it's interesting but i i don't i don't think that's uncommon either i think you know we're allowed to kind of have that shift of moods too like like you said in the beginning like it's that misconception to to or it's just plain wrong to say you're bipolar because you know you felt like this today and you felt you feel totally different tomorrow i think that's normal i also think that it's almost destructive to to do that like if people go out of their ways like they like, I just need to know. Like, let me know that I have something. Like, they want to, uh, like, I know for me, I have highs and I have lows. And I get to the lows very easily and I know what triggers it. And so I try to stay out of that. But, you know, I know other people that could have something like I have that deal with it, which, which whatever. I think it's just basic human emotion, to be honest with you. I don't think it's anything too drastic. But I think people will try to attach themselves to something just to have a reason for why they're upset 
She's like, oh, I'm upset, and I was just happy yesterday. I'm upset today because I'm bipolar. Mm-hmm. Like it, it feels almost validating in a way to to attach something to it. And I feel like that is a little destructive as well, just to assume that you have something because now you're almost justifying your actions. You know what I mean? Because it's it's almost like, you know when a baby gets hurt and then they just look at you? Based on your reaction is what they're going to do. Like, they're fine, but if you go, whoa, 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 then they'll start crying. But if you're like, you're good, they're like, yeah, I'm good. And they're just like chilling. You know yeah. what I mean? It's the same thing. So if someone tell, like, if someone is talking about how they're bipolar and you're like, oh, that might be me, then it's like, oh, now you, it's like if, if the parent made that face, like, whoa, it's like, oh, I have that. And, and, and then you just start to try to match that. Like, oh, I, I'm just in a manic episode right now, you know? And it's just, it, that's the, that's the dangerous game that, you know, people get into sometimes, I think, you know what I mean? It, it's, it's almost destructive because they try to match that energy. Like if someone tells you something enough, if someone tells you you're sick, then you're going to believe you're sick eventually. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like the mind is a very powerful thing and being a human is tough. So when you're hearing all these things and, 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 you know, someone's telling you that you're this and that eventually you like start to believe it. You know, and I know what I'm going off on this fucking tangent here for some reason, but but it's it's something that I always kind of dealt with because there is certain people in my life that, you know, their parents or somebody told them like, oh, you're not okay. And like, I know them. I know they're okay. But because someone else is telling them that, they're trying to match that energy. Like, oh, I'm just, you know, this and that. Like, that's also kind of destructive so i, I, I get think what you're saying yeah the the best advice is what she said is like if you're not sure go see a psychiatrist like go seek professional help because they're not going to lie to you they're not going to try and tell you like or try to give you a reason just because yeah, they're not one. your friend or family yeah they don't exactly care. they don't care they're doing their jobs like definitely go seek help if you think you're on the fence the fence about something don't self-diagnose like you know what i mean go get some some real help because the i think you know thinking you have bipolar disorder you might as well have it like at some point you know what i mean because then you're trying to match that energy sometimes some people do that i'm not going to generalize everybody but i mean after you saying that i feel like that's what i started doing <laughs> yeah the end of the like as she's talking about she's talking about highs and lows and you're like and wait was- i have lows and it's like <laughs> and then imagine you left here as someone who thought they had they're bipolar now and like you that's something you told people and and you know and now you're like oh I, you know i am sad right now because i'm bipolar and you gave yourself a reason to be sad you would almost expect it to be sad when you have nothing to do. That you're planning to be sad in a way. You know That's I mean? where I could see Kanye putting it out there being destructive as well for that reason. Well, she also was. She did a good job of explaining how he's kind of glorifying it in a way, which good for him, like glorifying it in his own way. But because he has such reach and such a powerful person it almost makes people who don't have it be like, ah, oh, yo, everyone's fine who has that. You know, it's, it almost desensitizes everybody yeah. uh, who doesn't have it. But for the people who do, it's inspiring to see him being like, dude, this guy's successful. Mm-hmm. He's bipolar. He's owning it. That's great. But for some some people, I mean, I didn't do that where I'm like, ah, everyone's fine. But for some people, I, I could see how they would, uh, you know, interpret that wrong and be like, oh, okay, it's just, it's not, it's nothing. You know, like, and that would be wrong. It's crazy how so many of these episodes just, like, I just find myself silent after because my mind's just going 
in circles. Like, do I have things. this? <laughs> no, not so much that. But yeah. Just, it's, you know what it is? It's it, After these episodes, I feel like we're, our mind races and I'm like, we can relate to everything because we all have a brain. We all have a mind. We all, you know, deal with highs and lows and, you know, all these things. Like the OCD episode, we, after that, we were also talking about how, I did the I same this thing, thing that episode too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're like, oh, I might be OCD because I eat every five seconds or something. But, and you know, I do stuff like that. I wash my hands a lot. I like check yeah. the door and like whatever. But, the difference is like we all share that brain, the same brain. So we all do these things. It doesn't mean that we have it. They just have an extreme version of those things. So right. it's like I have to, dude, I have to touch that doorknob four times. Like I ha- I will I can't leave until I do it. Like we're able to walk away from it. And we're able to like whatever. And everyone has weird habits, but the difference is like this is on such an extreme level. So the fact that you like it's just funny that we both are like wow, I can really relate to what she's saying yeah. right now. But the difference is it's just, it's, it's, you're out of control. And it's invisible. I mean, there's yeah. like, you, you don't, you don't know until, you know, you maybe do get diagnosed and it's, you know, it's not like Joe has brown eyes. I can see that. Yeah. You know, you, you don't wear a patch that says, Hey man, I got this thing. It's like, you just got to try and recognize it. Yeah. I like that episode. That was fun. No, eye-opening, and I feel like I have a, a good base knowledge of what that is now. Yeah. Which is good. I mean, that's, I think that's what's most important. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. Uh, if you guys want to follow me on Twitter, it's at Joe Sanagato. And uh, if, you, if you'd like to reach out uh, to us and be on an episode, you can go to oplshow.com slash contact. Send us an email if it works for the show and we think that it would make a good episode. We'll schedule something. Uh you can follow me at Greg Dybeck and you can follow the show on Twitter at OPL show and leave a rating and a review on iTunes. Yep. And that is all. Thanks for listening.